The guests on Love Hurts occasionally use some adult language and go into some more intense subject matter, but that's kind of how real life works anyway. This is Love Hurts. I'm Brian Berlin. Today's guest is John Blesso. John is a writer and storyteller living in Beacon, New York. During his early 20s, John spent a lot of time in France living with two different families. As he grew up, he kept coming back to Paris, and each time he checked back in with those families. John looks back at each of those dynamics and how they influenced who he became today. Hey, John, how's it going? Good. How are you, Brian? Good. It's been, what, two weeks Two weeks yeah, since two we weeks. saw each other in person? Yeah. yeah. Thank you for coming to and doing the artichoke. Of course. Thank you for having me. It was a delightful time. Uh, well, uh, we're, we're already plugging the artichoke before we even started the podcast. Right. But for now, uh, what I'd love to hear is, yeah, uh, what, what did you want to talk about today? Well, uh, I guess this story would... Uh, the context for the story begins in 1991 when I was 20 and um, I was about to begin um, studying, a, you know, like junior year abroad, I was going to be studying in Normandy. And uh, um, I was placed with a rather non-traditional host family. You know, most of the host families, they've got kids and they just set another plate at the table. <laughs> um, but like, you know, they make money. They get that they got paid by the University of Connecticut to, to put us up. But I got placed with an older couple named um, Robert and Yvette, and they were from the World War II generation. And um, they had been empty nesters for really about 15 years by that point. And they had two rooms above and they began boarding uh, American students. And so, you know, this was a good gig, but they were definitely motivated by by more than money. And um, you know, like Yvette, she was just one of those moms, those like through and through moms who just absolutely needs to take care of someone, you know, that I think it's painful if they don't have somebody to take care of. And um uh uh and and Robert, you know, one of the um he was actually in in 1942. When he was, I guess he would have been about like 23 or 24, he had been taken by the Germans into a forced labor camp in East Germany. Wow. And he was there until the end of the war. So he always had this unbelievable gratitude toward the United States. Um, and and that and so he he expressed that by he wanted to have Americans in his house. And um I I just um it became apparent right away that I had been very lucky in being placed with them because they did so much more than they had to. I mean, they really, all they had to do was like give us a bed, breakfast and dinner. Like that was really it. Um, but she would, um, Yvette would pack me a lunch every day. And sometimes he would drive me to campus and um, they definitely did not have to do laundry for us, but she did mine. And I remember like the first time it came back and like I had this pair of jeans that had like worn, you know, had like holes and stylishly worn out. And she had repaired them. Like she put patches and sewed <laughs> them, you know. So she ruined like the cool factor of your at, jeans. At first I was had. like, I can't believe she ruined. And then I was like, oh no, my God. And I loved it. You know, my socks came back. So the holes were sewn. And, and um, but the, the absolute best part about living with them was 
was dinner. Um, they had this, they had a garden and um, they, and, you know, it was just like classic French cooking every night. I mean, dinner uh, during the week was two hours and it had multiple courses. And um, she would, and there was like this crazy thing, like where, you know, she would serve me and then a course, and then she would try to serve me more of that same course. And I'd have to like politely refuse. You're like, I'd, <laughs> I'd accept like a little bit. Cause I knew there's more stuff coming, you know? And, um, and then on Sunday it was just, I mean, it was dinner would be four hours. <laughs> it, it was just amazing. And, and one of the crazy, the crazy things about her is that she had, I mean, I guess like when I first started living there, she would have been like, maybe she was in her early sixties and, and she, she, she wore these pumps but she was like as quick as a cat, like that suddenly has to be in the next room, you know, and she like would forget something, just bang, like off into the kitchen. And, and it was just, you know, it was just almost freakish, like how quickly she could move. Um, but they were just, um, they were just such terrific people. Like, so you're enjoying like the, the actual like educational part of the experience, but just as much you're enjoying like the Robert and Yvette. Everything. Like- I, I got that one year was like, five times more education than I got in the rest of the three years of college. And um, uh, at the end of that year, I had to go back to Yukon and finish my senior year. Um, but I, I love being in France. And I decided that after graduation that I was going to move back to Paris. So you finished college and you were just immediately like, I want to get back to France. Like it Absolutely. might not be Normandy, but I just, I want, yeah, I want yeah, that I experience to, again. Yep. Yeah, and I'd spend a lot. Rouen is where it was, and that's just like a. It was like an hour train ride from Paris, and um, and I'd already started writing a novel that was set there, and um, I didn't, you know, I didn't have a job or anything or a place to live, and there were several people told me that this is a very <laughs> stupid and reckless thing to do, and um, but I was like, I was just, I was scrappy, and I was like, you know, ready to go for it, and um, so. I went back over there in the fall of 93 and um, I mean, and I had, I mean, I, this seems crazy now. I had, I lit- I had $1,600. That's what I had, you know? And so I went and I sublet this room in like in the suburbs, like far out of the city, like in this like Arab housing project. And, uh, but you know, it was cheap. And um, I, I, I started, I would, you know, this is before the internet and you would go to the American church to the bulletin board to try to find jobs. <laughs> and I began just doing the absolute worst jobs that, that paid, you know, like they were, it, it was like 30 francs an hour you know, before the Euro that would, it would be like six bucks an hour for like really miserable jobs. Like I worked for a moving company. I mean, I just, I did whatever I could, you know, but I kept meeting, um, young uh, British and American and Australian women who were working as nannies. Oh, okay. And they, you know, and they had a place to live. They would get a, they would often get like a Metro card and they would have, you know, they were being paid. And I thought, I've got to do this, you know, and then I'll have a place to live. And then, I mean, you know, I was an undocumented worker basically. Yeah. And, um, you know, so aside from the, the, the comfort needs, you know, somebody else is paying the bills and you could just fly under the radar. Um, and so I went back to the American church and I just started cop writing down all the numbers for the, you know, all of the nannying jobs that are being offered. And I would just get shot down right out of the gate because I was male. 
Oh yeah, they're just kind of that. This is this thing that it's been accepted that like women are doing these jobs. Yeah, I was just cut down like uh, uh, immediately. Maybe I started to wonder if maybe the people that thought that what I was doing is reckless or stupid was right, you know, and and uh, yeah, like are you hitting that point of like, oh, I have X amount of dollars left, and I have to, I'm gonna have to go to back yeah. to America. And, and and I may have been most motivated by not. I wanted to prove those people wrong. Yeah. And then one day I called Yvette and, um, and she said, Oh, come, you know, come to dinner on Sunday. And, uh, um, and so I went, I, I think I, you know, back then I, I used to hitchhike like all over France and I probably hitchhiked, you know, to go see them because I just to save money. And, and, um, uh, I get there, you know, in time for Sunday dinner and, Oh, and by the way, like, that morning I had coffee and nothing else because like, cause you I, knew. Um, yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> I'm not going to eat. Like I'm going to, you know, I know what's coming my way. Right. And, um, and so, you know, um, uh, Robert picked me up at the train station and, you know, and he, he, he brought me in and I went into their, their salon and, and where there were, you know, two other students there, you know, staying with them now. And, you know, and I met them. Yeah. Cause they had the I'm new having, versions of yeah, you. That yeah, were there. yeah. Yeah. Two years later. Yeah. And, you know, we're having an aperitif and I said to them, like, you know, I was like, you guys know how lucky you are. Right. And they're like, Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and, um, uh, and so it was just, you know, it was everything that I needed just to, um, you know, be among someone who, um, you know, who cared Oh, who aside from like, like who just genuinely cared about about me, and um, I mean, yeah, I mean, like she was um, when I told her where I was living, she was really concerned about that, <laughs> and you know, and what I was doing, and and um, um, but you know, she 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 said, you know, be careful and 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 you know, and good luck and take care of yourself and come come back soon, and um, and so you know, I it was like right after that. Um, you know, I'm still, I'm, I'm, I kept calling the, the listings from the American church. And then, um, I called, um, and this woman, Debbie, and, um, I remember she, we started out speaking French and then she just started speaking English to me. And so she's British. And so she's a single mom. She's working as a secretary. And after work, she was going somewhere to study. She was like doing a degree and, um, um, and she had a, a boy and a girl who were five and six, and she just couldn't care what gender I was. And she was just this very no nonsense woman. And, and, uh, you know, and I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm thrilled just because like, we're still talking, you know? And so she, she invites me to meet up with her and, you know, we, we do, and she's interviewing me and like, and I'm like trying to work like Jedi mind tricks and stuff because like, I've li I mean, you know, before or since I've never needed a job more than I did then. And, um, and she offered me the job and it was just, it was such a big break. Um, because like, aside from, you know, like my life was going to take hold there, I moved out of the suburbs and was finally living like in Paris. Proper. Okay. So she's and, like in the actual kind yes, of like city uh -huh. limits. Yeah. So it was just so amazing to, you know, to move in with them. And then, um, yeah, they were, uh, Yannick was the boy and Netta. And, um, I was like picking them up from school and helping them with their homework and, you know, like cooking a dinner 
and trying to get them in the tub, you know, before their mom came home from studying <laughs> and then she would spend time with them before bed, you know. And do you feel like I was just like that kind of stuff thinking of me trying to do all that stuff at 22 would feel like very outside of my like abilities? Like, are you like, I don't fully know what I'm doing here, but I'm going to figure it out because I have to because this is the only thing I could do to earn a living right now. Oh, man, I, I it didn't even dawn on me that like, I mean, because I was doing such awful work that like whatever it was, I was going to learn how to do it. Um yeah, I mean, it's a window into into parenting that I think a lot of people don't have until they actually find themselves in that. You yeah, know, it's like yeah a, exactly. Like, it's yeah, like you're you, getting a little crash course in parenting yeah, at like, an age where you're probably not even, like, considering that in, in your yeah. life. Yeah, like, you, you, if you're a nanny, you know, you get to experience, like, the kind of 24-hour-ness of it, you know, like, in that it don't, you don't, you know, you have to do it on bad days when you're, like, having a bad day and they're having a bad day and, like... And, um, but anyway, you know, it was just, um, uh, life was great. Um, I was, I was writing every morning and, um, and then when one of my friends, he, I, I had an American friend who's going to go back to the States and he had this sweet gig tutoring these kids in this like bilingual school. And, um, he hooked me up with those kids. And so then there was just five children that were sustaining me and I was paying my student loans and I'd walking around money. And I mean, it just, you know, it was great. Um, and in, in 95, um, I finished that novel and then that novel was just soundly rejected and, you know, for, <laughs> for very good reasons, um, by like a whole bunch of agents. And, um, and after that, I kind I mean, like the dealing with kids and, you know, living, um, being undocumented and stuff it was kind of starting to wear on me and yeah so how long so had you been there all the way up to 95 like had you been yeah, there, was for, there for like, like a years? year for yeah for about a year and a half and um um and and also this you know night this is when new york city is starting to get really great again but you know it's coming out of the bad old days that i remembered from when i was a kid and um so i i went back home and um i ended up getting a job in the city and uh you know and i and i and i was you know, working and living in the city for, I, you know, for another 19 years until I moved up to, to, to Beacon eight years ago. Um, but, you know, all along that time, I mean, France, I always thought of it as like my second country. And um, uh, I, I feel lucky to have been there and, you know, particularly as a young man and, and living there. And, and, and whenever I went back, I would, have you know, I would always go see Yvette and Robert and uh, I would I would go see them on a Sunday and, um, you know, and, and just catch up with them and spend the day with them. And I remember like um, I remember this was in 2007. I went to go see them and like Robert picked me up at the train station. And now at this point, he's like 88 and he's still driving and driving perfectly well, like not I mean, uh, um, you know, carefully and like, but like smoothly. And and then Yvette would have been like. 76 and like she is like when she uh, and it was always the same thing like when he would pull in the driveway she would trot out of the house like in her pumps you know and like <laughs> rush over to me to like give me a hug and a kiss and like so she's still like moving like a cat yeah like these the, the personalities of these two people who have now like you've known them for 15 years and they're getting on like in their age you, they're you're not noticing any difference in they're, their... they're exactly the same yeah i mean and um and 
And, you know, and sometimes there are things in life where they're comforting because they don't ever change, you know, like, and this, and, and seeing them was kind of like that. I mean, it was just like, I would go into their living room and, you know, have an aperitif and like, and, and she was, you know, one of the many sweet things she did is like, she knew what all of my favorite dishes were and she would make them, you know, for me. (laughs) Yeah. And, um, oh my God, it was just amazing. And, and, you know, she, she would always ask me about my romantic life. And, you know, I think that there was some like thing that like, you know, like that, like what a lot of moms might do with their kids and that, you know, it would make it, it would make her happy to know if I was on like track to, you know, be getting married. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It, it just no different than if I was her son, you know, in that regard. And, yeah. Cause I guess now at this point, what you're in your like thirties, I, I would have been like 36. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you're, yeah, yeah. you're at this point where they're like, where she's cause... like kind of saying like, Hey, you might not want to wait too much longer. Yeah. Like your yeah. life is no longer the, like I'm this kid in college who, and just mm-hmm. out of college who doesn't know yeah. what they're doing. Like enough time has passed where she's like, all right, wh- like, when is this, when's this going to happen? <laughs> yeah. And, um, but you know, I, I, um, I spent the day with them and then at the end of the day, they, they drove me back to the train station and Robert waited in the car and she walked me to the platform and stood with me, you know, until the train came. And then, um, you know, she when the train pulled in and, and she looked like she was going to cry. And, um, you know, she, she hugged and kissed me goodbye. And I, and I just thought, you know, that she, felt sad, like, um, you know, kind of saying goodbye to one of her chicks in a way, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I, and I, and I, I I remember thinking like, I don't want her to worry about me, you know? And, and, um, um, so, but anyway, the, um, the year after that, I learned how to scuba dive. And so my travel began getting oriented to Latin America. And so I'm just going diving a bunch and and I didn't go back to France for a couple of years. Um, but in 2013, um, I but I kept in touch with them and um I called Yvette and and then I learned that that Robert was dying. Um he was 95 and um and then like a like a week later he died. Um and I thought about flying over there for the funeral, um, uh, but at the time I was I was renovating this mixed use building in, in East Williamsburg. And, and right then I I was in the middle of this, like just really crazy and frustrating phase of work. And, um, and I knew that she, I knew her family and I knew that she had great people around her. And I thought I'll go see her in two months when she's alone in her house. Yeah. Like trying to be there, like she'll have the support system right now but in two months. Like that would be a good time to be there for her. Absolutely. And so that, that, that was my plan. And so, um, uh, so yeah, in the fall of 2013, um, you know, I book a trip and, and, um, and then, and now, you know, by 2013, Facebook is a thing, you know? And so like, just out of completely out of nowhere, um, I, I searched for the kids that I used to take care of, you know, Yanni and Netta, right. And they both have particular names in their last name and, and like, I found them immediately. And so Yannick, he, so he would have been like 26. Um, and he was living in Thailand and he had gotten married to like a Thai woman. And he had this like beautiful little son. And like, I remember um, looking at the pictures of this boy and I felt 
like the way I imagine it, it might feel to be a grandfather, you know, cause this is just, he was six, you know, like when, and, uh, and he had a Yeah, son. and I guess, and, and especially with the fact that like, that's the circumstances of that nanny situation, right? Where y- you're with the single mom, where in a way you probably were this like father figure in like certain, certain circumstances, right? Like, yeah, I mean, well, they had their, you know, they had a dad that they saw all the time and, and Debbie okay, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. yeah. I wasn't sure yeah. if she was like just it was just yeah. her, yeah. But when when we when I was out like in the street with them, people just assumed that they were my kids. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know that you know they would say like ton fils, like they would say like your son, your daughter, you know. And um, so anyway, you know, so but uh, he he's in Thailand, right? And then I find Netta, and she's in Paris, and um. Uh, and so I, I typed up a message to her and I, you know, I said, I don't know if you remember me, I was your, your nanny and, you know, and she wrote back right away and she's like, I remember you. And, and she's, and I said, I'm coming to France, you know, would you like to meet up for dinner? And, and, and so she, uh, so we decided to do that. And, um, I remember after like went before, um, going, I was telling somebody about what I was doing and somebody like made a joke, like as though like, like maybe I would hook up with her. I'm not like easily offended by jokes, you know, and I, and I love when people make fun of me and stuff, but like, I, I was truly offended. You know, I didn't say anything because I knew like this person didn't mean anything by it, but it's just like, they just, it was just they just didn't understand like the yeah that, context that dynamic of the to be like this is not a joke to make like yeah this is... I think they just thought like oh a hot twenty five year old French girl or something like that and, like the you know uh, anyway so but but it did I, I just want to say that it, it it just was like whoa I can't believe you know you just said that and um so so anyway so you know I I I fly back to Paris and so I hadn't been there in, in six years and you know at this point I would have been forty two. And like my, it's like my 22 year old self kept crashing up against my like middle-aged self. So yeah, it was weird. It's just like having like two versions, like this other version of myself, like, you know. Yeah. And of... I guess it's like, you also mentioned the amount of time. This was probably the longest gap you've had well, since going back, right? So yeah. you're finding yourself looking at those previous experiences when you were a different person at an yeah. earlier point in your life. Yeah. Yeah. I, I had been 36 at the last time that I was there, you know, and so that's kind of a, like 36 to 42, you know, it's like you're then like kind of in, yeah. in middle age. And, and, um, and then the other thing that happened was it wasn't like I had lost my French, but, um, but words were, I was, they were just temporarily like inaccessible. I've, you know, I'm like, they're rattling around and like, um, and that was frustrating. Um, and um and then you know paris is kind of like the west village you know it's just like this spider web of streets there's no there's not a grid you know and so like but when i lived there i mean i knew my way around and i didn't anymore like i knew where the big stuff was that that you know but like um you know i was having to look at maps and stuff and and so the all of that like kind of forgetting and confusion in some way it almost felt like like a like a little bit of like a foreshadowing of old age. Um 
Yeah, um, and it's but, like, and I guess you're also dealing with this thing of like this place that had felt like home for so yeah. long is no longer feeling and like that. Yeah, like you don't yeah. fit there anymore. Yeah, yeah. Like just imagine if like you came back to New York City after six years and like you couldn't, you didn't know your way around the way you used to. You know, you have to, you don't know the the subway system. Yeah, you're getting on the subway stop and you have and to like, check. Yeah. Like, wait, wait, which check. stop am I yeah. getting off of to get here? Yeah. Wait, that's what oh, it was like. Yeah, like that. You know? Yeah. And so anyway, I met up, I, I, I met up with a couple of friends and then the, the night comes that I'm going to meet up with Netta. And, um, uh, we met at this Metro stop and, you know, it was just there, here's this full grown 25 year old woman, you know, who I, who was seven the last time I saw her, you know, and, and, um, and it went, it was just great to see her. And I couldn't believe like how much she remembered, um, you know, about the time that I spent with her family and, and um, and she was really impressive. She was she was working as a as a music promoter, um, and she worked for herself, you know, and like kind of at that age. And it, it, I I, um, uh, I was just kind of knocked out by by what she was doing. And and um, um, and we got around to talking about our our romantic lives, and you know we were both kind of you know still out there. And um, but she said like you know I don't really have time for that. I mean like my my work is really busy and. And I don't have time for like these guys bullshit and stuff. And, and, um, and she had like this very, you know, kind of tough, she was the tough little girl and she was a tough young woman. Um, and she just kind of, it, it felt like she didn't want to compromise that toughness to like have that in her life right now. And, um, but anyway, it was, it was like, it, you know, it was just, it was really great to see her and, and, um, and, and b- before we we said goodnight, um, she said, "Hey, you know, I'm um, ne- tomorrow night. Um, you know, I've got a show, but if you want, I'll I'll put you on the list. And you know, you come by. I'll introduce you to some of my friends. You can watch the show. And yeah, I'll be working. But you know, please come by if you want to. And and I thought, great. You know, and that that was actually going to be like my last night um, in in Paris before going to see Yvette the following morning." Um, and so after dinner, I went and um, I found her and, and um, she introduced me to her friends and and we hung out and um, and I watched the show for a while and she's running around, she's working. And, um, you know, I, I got to get up in the morning and get on the train to go to go see that. And so I, you know, I, I, I pulled her aside and I said, hey, I'm going to go now. And she said, oh, I'll, I'll walk you out to the, to the sidewalk. And she walks me out. And, um, you know, when I was saying goodbye to her, I. I um I I felt like I wanted to say something to her but I I didn't even really know what it was but it was something like hey you know I I I I know I I don't think I can even say it now you know like that like I hope that you're able to you know make room in your life you know or, or to you know to to your romantic life if that's something that you want to do and um uh, but I, I did, I just didn't really know how to say that. And, um, but, you know, and, and I was sad to say goodbye to her and I could, and she looked like she was a little bit sad too, but, you know, I, I just said, it, it was just so great to see you. And I, I hope to see you again. And, and, um, and then, you know, we hugged goodbye and, and, um, and I began walking back to the Airbnb where I was staying and I'm walking back and like, and then I just started crying and I, I remember like I was walking up the boulevard Richard Lenoir and uh, I just like 
I sat down on a bench and like, I just started bawling. And this is, I mean, this is like one of the strangest moments in my life because I have no idea why, why I'm crying. You know, I just, I had no clue. And like, I, and I, I think I was even like asking myself, like, why am I crying? You know? And, and, and I, I, what I came up, I, I, I do remember like saying out loud, I used to take care of her. And, you know, and I, I thought later, like, um, like I imagined, like if, if, if she was my daughter and I, we had somehow been estranged or something, and then we met up and she was doing well and we were happy to see each other. I think it would, you know, when you say goodbye, it would be really sad. And yeah. And yeah. And I, that was, you know, that was sort of what I, I, I came yeah, up with. And, and, and I guess the age you're at too, you know, you're at what well, you're, you said you're in a 42 at that I point, would have been, right? Yep. Yeah. And so there's that level of thinking, you know, thinking about like the possibility of being a father is something yep. that's probably like on your mind in some way and thinking like, yeah, this is maybe the closest thing I've had to a daughter at this point in my life, right? Yeah, and there may have been pain that I had not, you know, done that myself. Um, but um, um, you know, I, I, uh, you know, so it was sad, but um, um, I walked home and and um, you know, I went to bed and woke up to go get on the train to Rouen, and um, and anyway, but and you know, at, but I'm really looking forward to seeing Yvette. Right. And so I do what I do. Like I had, I'm, I had a coffee and I had like a pan chocolat, like at the train station, you know, before getting on, on the train just to like kind of tide me over. And, um, and so, um, so she, she met me at the train and we walked to the, the car of a woman who had driven us there, um, you know, so that she could find me on the platform. And, um, you know, and so it's, you know, it's just, it's great to see her. And, um, uh, but she's definitely like, she's 83 now and she's, she's moving a little bit slower and, um, she's still moving quite well for an 83 year old woman, <laughs> just not at the, you know, the Usain Bolt speed that, that she had before. And, um, but, um, she, uh, you know, and so I, I sit down in the salon, you know, I, pour myself a little drink. I'm having the aperitif, like, you know, it's like, bring it on. And, um, but she, um, she carried, like, we sat down and she, she carried like a chicken out of the oven. And I can tell like, like it just, that chicken's been in the oven, like too long, you know? And, um, and then she's like, she says that she forgot to like cook a vegetable and she like, she opens a can of green beans, you know, and like the, you know, before the green beans came from the garden, you know I mean? And they like, you know, she's pouring them in a pot and, and, and she's asking me like, you know, wait, so what are you doing in New York? And then, you know, and then like very soon after that, again, she asked me again, like, so what are you doing in New York? And then it's kind of dawning on me that, she has like some form of dementia. Um, and then, and like, you know, and I'm kind of like trying to make sense of all this. And, but then, and then like, I'm concerned about her, you know, like she had forgotten something in the oven, you know, or, yeah, she's um, like living at home alone there by point, herself. Right? I mean, she had these she had nice neighbors and stuff that, you know, but still, um, um, yeah. And, and then I, I, I'm realizing that, you know, um, that she's, 
you know, mentally declining. And, um, you know, she had been married, she got married to Robert when she was like 18 and he was like 30, you know, and so she had always been with him. And, um, um, you know, and I, I, and, and I thought of like how, you know, how much she needed to be like the mom of someone, how she needed to take care of somebody. And, you know, and I asked her like, um, uh, I, you know, I said, you know, do you miss Robert? And, and she said, she said in French, like, I, she said, like, I miss his presence, you know, and it was hard for me not to wonder if like, you know, that was him not being there was accelerating her condition. And, um, um, and so she, um, you know, but we, we, you know, but I, 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 you know, she remembered me from back then and and you know we we spent the we just spent a really nice day together and um and then um um you know she drove me back to the train station and um you know before before I got out of the car you know it dawned on me that like this might be the last time that I that I see her um and um you know but I I I told her that I loved her and, and and that I hoped that I would see her again soon. And, um, and, you know, we, we, we hugged goodbye and, and like, and then before even like getting inside the station, I'm like bawling again, you know, like I'm, this, and this is like, I'm just spent like my time in France crying, <laughs> you know? And, uh, um, and so, um, she, um, yeah, she um she died the following year. Um oh, man. Yeah. And um uh, but I you know, I was just I was I was um I felt so lucky to have had them um in my lives in my life. You know, they they that was just one of the luckier things that happened to me, you know, getting placed with them. And it it I I was always aware of how um that relationship, you know, even though, um, you know, she wasn't my mother or my grandmother, but, you know, it was something like that, that, and that it didn't matter. Um, um, and I was always conscious of that. I think I had thought less of my relationship with the kids that I helped take care of, um, because, you know, it was first and foremost, like a gig. Um, and, um, but, you know, you get close to somebody, you know, when you live with them like that. I mean, you know, I never lived with my actual grandparents, you know, but I lived with them for a yeah. year. Yeah. And yeah. And I lived with these kids and, um, and I don't think that you can just, um, I mean, there is that, you know, for me, there was an emotional attachment that I felt to them um, that I think that I didn't recognize or that, I, I didn't think larger than the fact that it was a job that I was doing. Um, and, um, um, and I, and yeah, and I think it, it was just that much more resonant for me to, um, to, to appreciate that and to, um, uh, to know that it, that it was more than just a job um, that, that I, that I was a part of their lives and, and that they were a part of mine. Um and I think it was just, um, it was, it was painful to, um, particularly have to like make sense of that, 
and then like 12 hours later you know have to um deal with um coming to understand Yvette's situation yeah well i think yeah the, the, it seems like the theme there is is kind of that that role of people you live with and the importance of them and yeah like even though both of those people were not family members to you they became like these parts of your family right like and i yeah. think that's the the in the broader sense of like yeah you know it's like i always my my girlfriend has like those people that are like you know she calls aunts and uncles but aren't aunts and uncles you know they're like her friend mm-hmm. her parents like good friends and i always joke about it like that with her but it's like yeah that's it those titles don't really mean much because it's more about the roles these people play uh, in your life yeah. and just like you know being someone's mother or father you know they're people that it, it, that doesn't mean that it's necessarily a rich relationship yeah exactly like right? that yeah. that that title doesn't there's so many different meanings to everybody and there's so many different experiences that everybody has so it's mm-hmm. like yeah you could have those types of well yeah what we would call like that that dynamics with people that aren't that don't fit yeah. those dynamics and yeah i, I i'm yeah. it's like it seems like a tough it seemed like a tough thing to have to have have to have those like two kind of sad moments happen back to back but it also feels like it it made you kind of appreciate that that time you spent it, it already felt like that time you'd spent in france was like some of the most important years of your life but then it felt yeah. like you even got more of the gravity of kind of what those experiences were because of the people that you shared them with yeah and what and absolutely yeah 100 percent. and and you know one of the things i think i i realized too after thinking about this is that so after that i've only been back to france once since then and that was in 2017 and that was because my brother got married there um i did see netta uh <laughs> again which was great and um uh but um i think that i may have like uh uh I need to, you know, be conscious of the pain that I felt on that trip and, you know, not, and, and yeah, it's okay that Paris is not, you know, my home anymore or that, you know, that I have to learn my way around again. Yeah. It doesn't um, mean you can't still have positive experiences yeah. there in the future. Yeah. And that I, you know, I probably need to get back there sooner than later um, to just check in and, and just, um, you know, enjoy being in the city that I, I always, that was my city before New York was, you know, that I always like truly loved. Um, yeah. And um, that it's just uh, life is, it, it, you know, life is, can be painful and unbelievable at, and at the same time. Yeah. 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 Cool. Well, thanks so much for sharing, John. Oh man. Uh, thanks for listening, Brian. And yeah. uh, it, I, I love the show and it's it's great to be a part of it. Yeah, I'm glad you're able to be a part of it. Yeah. Um, if people want to find out more about what you do, can they follow you on like social media or anything? Or yeah, did you want to plug anything? Oh, well, yeah. I mean, I'm on uh, Facebook and Instagram at John Blesso. Um, at johnblesso.com. You can, I, I actually, I, I've, I've been writing a, um, uh, a bi-weekly like humor column and um, you can, sign up for that uh at johnblesso.com cool yeah and then you help you help mm-hmm. out with the artichoke show too and i help yeah I, I help i help drew however i can um with the artichoke and just going to the artichoke just for your ad your ad reads alone is is worth the oh, is worth thanks. the experience so thank you yeah it's a lot of fun <laughs> 
Cool, John. Well, thanks so much again for sharing and being here. Oh, thanks so much, Brian. This is how we love. This is how we fight for something that's right. Love Hurts is produced, hosted, and edited by Brian Berlin. Theme music by Mickey Hommel. Show art by Caroline Mallon. You can find Love Hurts on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you like the show, rate and review it on Apple Podcasts and tell a friend about it. You can find Love Hurts on Twitter and Instagram at lovehurtspod, and our website is lovehurtspod.com. I'm Brian Berlin, and this is Love Hurts. Love Hurts.